Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Inflation is clocking in at almost 7%. That's over three times the usual target. So what the government should be doing about it is a frequent topic of discussion in Parliament. Canadians are going hungry. Canadians are going to lose their homes because of the cost of living going up. Inflation is skyrocketing and this government has no plan to address it, Mr. Speaker. Why does this government continually ignore calls to provide immediate relief to Canadians by lowering the taxes on fuel and gasoline? And that's just from question period in the last week alone. So there's pressure for the government to act. And Canada's finance minister, Christia Freeland, spoke about the Liberals' plan to help make life more affordable for Canadians. But is there more that they could be doing? It's, a, it's an awkward situation for the government because there really is only a, f- a few limited options that they can actually do to control inflation, yet it's the number one issue, perhaps, that uh, voters are raising. Bill Curry is on the show. He's our deputy bureau chief in Ottawa, and he's been covering fiscal policy and inflation way before it was something that everyone was talking about. He'll help us understand what the government can and can't do to cool inflation. This is The Decibel. Bill, it's great to have you on the show for the first time. Thanks, Manica. It's nice to see you, too, because I'm used to, in the fall, I used to see you all the time, so it's nice to actually be able to talk to you again. <laughs> we definitely miss you in the Ottawa Bureau, Manica. Uh, I miss the Ottawa Bureau, too. It's a great crew. Uh, all right, let's let's dive into into this. Uh, I know you covered Christia Freeland's speech on Thursday. Did she announce any new measures to deal with inflation? Uh, no, I guess, to be quite frank. No, there was some build up to this. They were uh, sending some signals that this would be an important speech to watch. And, and it was interesting for the politics of it and the messaging of it. But in terms of policy content, uh, Christopher Freeland was pretty explicit of it. She said this was a deliberate decision. There are no new policies, no new measures, no new spending in it. All of the uh, announcements that she wanted to highlight, not even the announcements isn't the right word, all of the policies that she wanted to highlight into a package that she branded the affordability plan are things that were in previous budgets, things that the government was already doing to try to explain to Canadians that yes, they are aware that this is an issue and these are the various things that they are doing to address it. So what was in this this affordability plan, as, as she called it? What was in there was uh, several programs that already exist or that have been budgeted in previous budgets that in some ways help people with cost of living concerns. So that's things like the National Child Care Program that was recently announced, um, old age security increases for seniors over 75. She was pointing to all of these things that are already in place that will help people who are struggling with the cost of living. She added them all up. She came up with the number of $8.9 billion. We didn't get a breakdown of how that comes to be. As a grain of salt, these programs, you know, national childcare, when they were launched or announced a couple of years ago, these were not envisioned in any way to deal with inflation. These were things that were proposed for other reasons, and now they're being repackaged as an inflation plan. But, I mean, we need to keep in mind these were all, all on, the, on the books months and years ago. Interesting. That's a really important point. Okay, so if there's nothing new, the point of the speech was pretty much to let Canadians know they, they're, they're handling this and they've, they've essentially got a plan? Is, is, is that kind of what it boils down to? Yeah, exactly. I think it's, uh, it's politics. Um, 
you know, we're at the end of a parliamentary session here. And when you sit in the House of Commons, the interesting thing about the House of Commons is every seat represents a part of the country. And you can just see the opposition questions are constantly about the price of gas, the price of groceries, which means that across the country, these MPs are just hearing it nonstop in their ridings. And the Liberals have not had a very coherent message on that. They've been largely saying it's, you know, world events and this is up to the Bank of, Con- Bank of Canada to deal with, not really our problem, so to speak. So, you know, that's, I would assume for the Liberal MPs who have to deliver this message door to door, that hasn't been a particularly satisfying message. So now I think at least politically they can say we have this affordability plan. These are the elements that are in it. These are the things that we're doing. Yeah, I think a lot of people have probably heard the opposition kind of hammering the governing liberals on the continuing rise of inflation. Uh, There's even the hashtag, of course, just inflation that conservative leadership contender Pierre Polyev keeps repeating. Uh, From your reporting, is this fair criticism of the government? Well, I think the government is essentially right for the most part that inflation is caused by events that are outside of the federal government's control. This is... uh, the unwinding of all the problems from COVID when the world economy uh, shut down and then reopening that is causing all kinds of supply chain bottlenecks. There's issues, you know, China, which so much of world trade flows through China, they had a a very severe uh, no zero COVID policy. So that really affected uh, production, manufacturing parts that are a big part of the global supply chain. The price of oil has gone through the roof. You know, Christopher Freeland can't control the price of oil. That's driven by the war in Ukraine has made that all worse. So, you know, the federal government can't do anything about that. Where there is some um, traction for the government, uh, for the argument that the government has something to do with this, is the scale of federal spending. So did the government spend too much during COVID? Are they retracting that spending fast enough? You know, that's the kind of issue where you get into government policy and there's a, you know, a little legitimate grounds for debate Christopher Freeland was trying to argue during her speech two things that uh, on the face of it could appear contradictory. She was trying to argue to this business crowd in Toronto at a luncheon speech that uh, she actually used the phrase to those fiscal hawks out there, rest assured. I want to say to you, fear not. This is new money for the Canadians receiving it this year. But these are all measures we built into our last two budgets. At the same time, she's also trying to say we're going to spend billions of dollars to help people. So you've got this odd message in that speech of trying to say we're spending billions of dollars to help people and we're also cutting back spending. What then are some of the things that the government can do? So you mentioned reducing government spending. Is, is there anything else, though, that's on the table for the Liberals to, to do in terms of helping Canadians at this point? Yeah, certainly the rate of government spending would be the main one in terms of fiscal policy that uh, where the federal government and cabinet could help with monetary policy, which is what the Bank of Canada is trying to do with interest rates. So uh, they want to be complementary to each other in an ideal world and and not working at cross purposes. So that's number one. I think number two, when we talked about uh, supply chain bottlenecks uh, that, you know, as the economy reopens, there's lots of uh, issues at ports and uh, on, on our rails. That's something where federal infrastructure spending could help out. That would take a that would take a while to actually take effect, though, right? That's, that's not that's kind of an immediate issue. fix. Hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So, uh, and, and industry has pointed that out that if, you know these things are uh, are not quick fixes. So the sooner the better that they get on tackling these big projects. Then the third thing that we've seen uh, some governments do 
is direct help for uh, citizens like through checks to voters. And we've seen Francois Legault in Quebec is giving $500 checks to everybody who makes $100,000 or less. Mm-hmm. That's in an election year. It's, uh, he says that's an inflation policy. We've seen Doug Ford in Ontario right before the election. He uh, promised to cut gas prices or the gas tax uh, as of July 1. And he also eliminated a license plate uh, sticker fees and sent checks directly to voters there. Similarly, in Alberta, they have cut the gas tax. So the issue with that is, you know, if you're the person getting the check or if you're the person uh, who drives a lot and gets the rebate, you know, that does help you. That is helping you deal with inflation. But at a macroeconomic level, the economists would say that's making things worse. You're you're pumping more money into the economy, which means people will spend more. You're you're helping to heat up the economy at a time when the Bank of Canada is trying to cool the economy. So Mm. you won't find a lot of economists saying that uh, give everybody checks to help with the cost of inflation is a good idea. Yeah, let's let's maybe just break this idea down a little bit because I think people understand how like a stimulus check would help them because they have a little bit more money to buy gas or buy groceries and that's that's good for the consumer. But how how significant is this idea of reducing government spending? Like can you help us draw a line bill from like if if the government is reducing the, its spending, how is that actually going to help inflation? Well, I mean the the economy is running hot and that there's there's too much money in the economy. People have a lot of money in their bank accounts. They're trying to buy things now that the economy is reopened and there's supply shortages, which means the price of goods is going up. And so the Bank of Canada is just trying to cool things down. And I think the bank would appreciate it if the federal government was helping that and not stoking uh, demand by giving people more money to spend at a time when they're trying to cool the economy. So it's about Because if people have more money, they spend more money, increases demand, that kind of Exactly. Thing. I mean, you, you said, you mentioned the phrase stimulus, and that's, that's you know, uh, option one in the playbook when we're in a recession, when you're trying to stoke spending. When people are in a recession and they're fearful about their jobs, they don't want to spend. And so that's when the federal government would step in with so-called stimulus and find ways to put more money in people's pockets so that they do spend and get help out businesses when they're struggling. We're at the moment where the uh, reverse of that is what's needed. And so would we say reduce government spending bill, what what does that actually mean? I think when Krista Freeland talks about reducing federal spending, she's talking about um, federal spending at a level that's not causing extra stimulus in the economy and and going at cross purposes to what the Bank of Canada is trying to do. But there's a lot of uh, detail to unpack there because she has also mentioned in her budget that there would be an expenditure review plan, which is something that we haven't seen in a long time federally. And that can sometimes mean program cuts. And if you're a person, uh, if you're somebody who depends on the particular program that is being cut or reduced, then there's some negative impacts there. So it's easier to say at a high level we're going to reduce federal spending. It's when you get into the details that you know that you start to get some pushback. So that's a bit of a trade-off when we're talking about the government saying they want to reduce spending to different programs and things like that. Um, people need those programs obviously to to sustain themselves as well. So I, I guess how much of an impact is actually going to be had there by reducing the spending to that kind of program? Is it is it worth it? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a real kind of cost benefit that the cabinet is going to have to do. You know, yes, you know, some would say it's on the on the margins. There can be an influence 
on inflation by the federal government reducing its spending. But if you reduce spending, there's negative impacts for people who depend on particular programs. There's also the very high risk that if central banks go too far with raising interest rates, we could be into a recession. So if we're in a recession and a federal government is suddenly cutting back on programs, you're making things worse. So Christopher Freeland used the phrase soft landing. Our challenge now is to land the plane. And a soft landing is not guaranteed. That's the goal. Obviously, policymakers want to cool the economy and have a soft landing. But if you go too far with, you know, too high on the interest rate front or too far on cutting back spending, you don't have a soft landing. You, you cause a lot of problems. Yeah. All right. So if there's more demand, if people want to buy more things, I, I guess, can we look back and trace back this, this higher demand to the fact that people have more money because the federal government gave out a lot of financial support during the pandemic, like those those CERB checks, can we kind of trace a line between that additional money that is in consumers' pockets to, to the issues we're having now? Well, I'm not sure that you can draw that close of a line because generally the CERB checks went to people who had lost their job entirely, right, who had lost all of their income. So for the most part, that money probably went to the necessities. Where there's the excess demand is, is more likely at the higher income ranges. Hmm. You know, a lot of higher income people who are comfortably employed have built up large savings in their bank's accounts. And then all the COVID restrictions ended and all of that money sitting around in people's bank's accounts, they're looking to spend that and they want to you know, buy a new dishwasher or go on a trip by, you know, go to Pearson Airport, as we see, <laughs> right? Stand in line, so yeah. like all those people who are sitting with extra savings, that's kind of one of the drivers of this, I would say, more so than the income support that went to the lower income people. Hmm. So politically speaking, who has the most to gain from persistent high inflation in Canada? Well, it's, a, it's an interesting question politically because as we talked about earlier, generally politicians don't like to talk about inflation and interest rates and they like to leave that to the Bank of Canada. But we're in a window right now where it's arguably the number one issue on voters' minds and they're mad about it, that the price of gas is uh, really high and they can't buy the things that they want to buy and they want politicians to do something about it. So the, if you're a politician who has a message saying, you know, I, I feel your pain, I agree, this is the number one issue, and I'm going to do something about it, that's uh, more attractive than saying, well, just you know, throwing up your hands and saying, this is international events in the Bank of Canada, and there's nothing I can really do about it. So it's, a, it's an awkward situation for the government because there really is only a, are, so a few limited options that they can actually do to control inflation, yet it's the number one issue, perhaps, that uh, voters are raising when MPs are, you know, they're about to hit the barbecue circuit this summer and people are going to be talking about this. And the Liberals don't have a great answer for that. And that's what uh, Christopher Freeland's speech was all about. And I guess this is, again, why we hear the Conservatives, the opposition parties, really hammering them on this, because they know voters are paying attention to this issue. Yeah, and it fits with the general conservative narrative is that the federal government spending should be uh, as low as possible. They, they believe in smaller governments. So it's, uh, the inflation issue kind of fits with what their, would, their policy prescriptions would normally be, which is let's reduce spending, let's get the deficit under control, 
the smaller government that you have, the more money you can leave in people's pockets, that kind of thing. So inflation is a good issue for them in that it fits with the kinds of things that they are normally saying every election time anyway. And then to go back yeah, to, to Christia Freeland's speech then, where she laid all this stuff out on Thursday, what are the chances that the, the plan that the Liberals have will, will actually work to, to make the, the pinch that we're feeling kind of sting, sting any less? Well, we'll see. I mean, Christian Freeland herself didn't seem overly confident in, in predicting the future, which you know is the honest answer. She said, you know, given the uncertainty in the global economy, would it be wise for me to stand here and rule out the need for further support in the future? Of course, it would not be. Because people were asking about, you know, what about other governments that are cutting gas taxes? And, and she didn't rule that out. But I think that that option that other governments have done would be a, a challenging one politically for this liberal government, because when you think about what was this government's priority before COVID and before inflation, it was climate change and uh, reducing emissions. And their main tool for doing that is carbon pricing. And what does carbon pricing mean? Well, carbon mm. pricing means making carbon and gas more expensive. So right. they were going in one direction as their central governing philosophy of let's make carbon more expensive so that people emit less and buy smaller cars and buy less gas and suddenly we're in this inflation scenario where everybody well a lot of people are saying please make my gas bill less expensive and so it's uh it's puts the liberals in a pickle bill it was great to chat with you thanks so much for doing this thanks man it's good to see you that's it for today I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our summer producer is Zara Kozema. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.